going on, family? Happy Thursday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. My name is GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're having an absolutely amazing start to your day. Certainly, this is another big week, and a lot's going on in the world of pro wrestling. We'll get to as much of it as we can in the time that we have. First and foremost, a big thank you to everyone who continues to join us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. We absolutely appreciate you. Special shouts to all of you who are joining us by way of podcast. You're subscribed. You regularly listen. Thank you so very much. It really is something that I appreciate and really our whole team appreciates your continued support of the faction. If you are not subscribed, go ahead and click the subscribe button wherever it is that you're listening to us. Now, if you're new to the journey, welcome aboard. It's great to have you here with us. Consider subscribing and sharing what we're doing with your friends and followers. So there's a lot to hop into. Let's first jump into the ratings from Monday Night Raw, where of course on Monday Night Raw this week, we got the official word that it will be gold versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. We also saw what I thought was one of the best women's matches we've seen in a long time between Charlotte Flair and Nikki A.S.H. It was a no-holds-barred match that saw Nikki A.S.H. win the match. It was intense. It was physical. It was incredible, and in my opinion, it kind of brought out that thing in Nikki A.S.H. that we need to see, which is aggression. No superhero is pie in the sky 24-7. At some point, a cause moves them to a space of both anger and aggression, and we saw that happen Monday night. With all of that said, it brought a slight uptick in the ratings for Monday Night Raw as Monday Night Raw brought in 1.821 million viewers, which is up from last week's point. 814 million viewers, so about a 7,000 viewer change. So that's just something to consider. Interestingly enough, it's above last year's rating at this time, which was 1.715 million viewers. But two years ago at this time, Raw drew in 2.4 million viewers. So with that said, there's still room to go. But again, it is better than what we've been seeing in terms of the ratings for the pandemic era. A lot happened on Monday Night Raw, so I wonder if you guys watched. Let us know in the socials. With that said, NXT took place this Tuesday night. And I have an interesting NXT observation, which I'll mention in just a few minutes. NXT brought in 520,000 viewers this week, which is exactly what they brought in last week. Finishing their two-week journey on sci-fi as a result of the Olympics being on USA. So hopefully next week's show for NXT takes them back to the 650 to 700,000 viewer space that they have been at for really most of these last few weeks. We'll see. But here's my observation about NXT. NXT this week did something that I don't see them do very often. I felt like NXT mailed it in this week. It was very clear that NXT was recorded versus a live show. And I'll just tell you some of the ways that I know these things, right? For one, they didn't have the live sign, which they normally have. So there's that. But I also can tell, and maybe it's just my production ear, but I can tell when they are doing overdubs versus actually being in a live 
live setting. And one of the things that these announcers tend to do that they don't think that they do is they don't necessarily come in with the same vocal veracity during a live show as they do when they are taping their overdubs. Go back and listen to the difference between when Vic Joseph is in the moment calling a match versus when he is in a taped environment. I think that's a vocal thing that people have to learn how to do. You have to learn how to match what you're doing if you're going to do a pre-recorded scenario. You have to match that if it's all supposed to seem cohesive and congruent. The same thing happened, of course, for Beth Phoenix, who ended up, I thought, talking more than she normally does during an NXT event, particularly when it's pitching to packages, you know, recapping things and the like. So I just think it was interesting. It felt like they mailed it in from start to finish. And even with the main event being a match for the love of Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis, that's not a main event on NXT to me. That is certainly something that's mid-card. Why that was the main event, I don't know. So I think it's interesting that they chose to tape the shows. Part of it could be the realization that, hey, the Olympics are going on and we can't necessarily compete. I also think it's interesting that USA chose to have the Olympics preempted in terms of their coverage on Monday night for Raw versus on Tuesday nights for NXT. I think that's an interesting statement. I don't fully know what that means, but we certainly could make some sort of observations or assumptions that perhaps the raw situation is more important to USA than NXT. I don't know. But bottom line, NXT hopefully will be back next week with an amazing live show. So I'll spend some time talking about AEW Dynamite tomorrow, but there is a piece of AEW that we do need to address. A lot of the internet world is rather upset with AEW Dark and Max Caster. So Max Caster is a part of the tag team known as the Acclaimed. And I have to admit, he kind of has a gimmick somewhat similar to the basic thugonomics of John Cena when Cena would come out to the ring, do some sort of battle rap or diss rap that, you know, people would enjoy. The only difference here is certainly during the early days, Cena did it to a beat but wasn't always on beat. And Max Caster is doing it to the beat of their theme song. He is on beat. He is known for saying some rather controversial things, you know, to get a rise. After all, he is a heel, etc., etc. But what happened on this week's episode of AEW Dark was concerning. And, well, how about I just let you hear it and then you tell me. Check it out. I don't like Christian at all. The acclaimed top of the chain, so I bet you know the name. Yo. Getting all the fans entertained. Yo. Yo. Running in the game and we in our Yo. own lane. Everybody's saying that they want to be acclaimed. The acclaimed kicking ass for miles. Make you claim mental health like Simone Biles. The side gal's going to pay the cost. I'm going to treat those bitches like Duke Lacrosse. The blondes say they the best, but those dudes are faker than a PCR test. And what's that smell here in North Carolina? Oh, wait, that's Julia's. Oh! You mean Julia's breath from all the croissants, right? Yeah, isn't that right? Charlotte! The acclaimed have arrived! 
brother. There's a lot to unpack in that rest. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. Okay, so you can hear that in this battle rap or in this introductory rap, Max Caster makes a reference to Simone Biles and he talks about her mental health. He also then makes a reference to the Duke lacrosse team and in so doing, the reference is surrounding basically rape as the Duke lacrosse team were actually brought up on charges for potentially raping fellow students at Duke University. Why did all of that come up? Because they were in Charlotte, North Carolina when they taped this episode of AEW Dark. So yesterday, as a result of all of the backlash, Tony Khan went on to Busted Open Radio with our good friends Mark Henry and Dave LaGreca. In so doing, he apologized for what happened and he took us behind the velvet rope saying that he did not even review AEW Dark. He doesn't edit AEW Dark. That was obviously in someone else's hands. He does spend a lot more time being very, very succinct and having filters for AEW Dynamite such that this type of thing wouldn't happen, right? So he apologized and then committed to editing himself future episodes of AEW Dark. He did go on to say that AEW Dark, that episode was taken down and replaced with an edited version so that those comments could not be replayed or found. With all of that said, here's my thought. AEW, as we know, is a taped show. That episode of Dark was taped last Wednesday night while Fight for the Fallen went on as they were in Charlotte, North Carolina. So you mean to tell me that in a six-day period, nobody went back and said, hey, these comments are inappropriate. Let's wipe them out altogether, right? I'm all for giving wrestlers creative freedom, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that with freedom comes responsibility. As we see with the case with with DeBaby, you just can't say whatever you want and be insensitive to what's happening in the culture. DeBaby said, hey, these comments weren't made for mass consumption. They were just made for the folks that attended Rolling Loud. Only problem is when you have over 100,000 people attending and your comments are being streamed live across the world, then yes, they are being taken for mass consumption. I think Max Caster and the Acclaimed are pretty over tag team, but I think a move like this was a bad move. They should have been more responsible. AEW should have been more responsible. I think there were a lot of places this went through that seemingly turned a blind eye or ticked the checkbox in their particular uh, you know, to-do list and didn't really take the time to think about a move like this. This is not a good move for AEW. Of course, they've apologized. We'll see, of course, how they rebound on future episodes of Dynamite and, of course, on AEW Dark. But... You got to shy away from moments like this because it's just not a good moment for AEW or for the community at large. When we come back, we'll talk about the NWA, a major accomplishment they've had, and two wrestling legends who have left us in the last 24 hours. We'll talk about that when we return. It's going to be an absolutely stellar night with two big title matches and the most unpredictable show in all of independent wrestling. Come on, somebody stop this. We, the monster, 
They thought they wanted. All right, guys, two pieces of very sad news to talk about in terms of wrestlers that we have lost in the last couple of days. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Jody Hamilton, known to the world as the assassin who passed away at age 82. Now, he followed in the footsteps of his brother, Larry, the Missouri Mauler Hamilton, transitioning from amateur boxing and breaking into the world of wrestling in the 1950s. By 1958, the Hamilton brothers had risen up the ranks of the New York-based Capitol Wrestling and battled folks like Antonino Rocca and Miguel Perez in the main event of Madison Square Garden. Believe it or not, Hamilton, also known as the Assassin, was only 19 years old at the time, becoming the youngest wrestler to ever co-main event at Madison Square Garden. He'd go on to team up with Tom Renesto to form the duo The Assassins, and they drew sellout crowds all throughout the Southeast United States. They became a force in Georgia Championship Wrestling and held the NWA Georgia Tag Team titles a record-breaking 12 times. After his partner Ernesto would retire, he'd carry on the torch of the Assassins, teaming with Ernie Ladd and then Hercules Hernandez, claiming a collection of tag team championships in the Central States and Mid-South wrestling promotions. He was forced to step away from the ring after being injured, but he would do some important things such as help create the Power Plant, which was a training center for WCW, and he was instrumental in the development of competitors such as Kevin Nash, Goldberg, The Big Show, and Diamond Dallas Page. He would continue teaching future superstars with Deep South Wrestling, and his son Nick has continued in the family tradition, serving as a referee for Georgia Championship Wrestling, WCW, and WWE. And we all know his son Nick as the famous Nick Patrick. That's right. Nick Patrick is the son of the assassin Jody Hamilton. So our thoughts and prayers are going out to the family of the assassin Jody Hamilton, who passed away at age 82. In an equally sad story, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of another epic and memorable tag team wrestler as we have lost Bobby Eaton, beautiful Bobby Eaton, one half of the Midnight Express. And certainly his career was absolutely legendary, beginning in 1976 and ending in 2015. He's one of the most popular and influential wrestlers to have never wrestled in the WWE. He worked for promotions such as Mid-America Wrestling, Continental Wrestling Association, Mid-South, World Class, Jim Crockett Promotions, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and of course, WCW. He also made some brief appearances in Extreme Championship Wrestling and TNA. However, the world knows him so much for his work with the Midnight Express, whether it was teaming with Dennis Condry, Loverboy Dennis Condry, or Sweet Stan Lane. Their feuds with the Rock and Roll Express over the U.S. Tag Team Championships and the NWA Tag Team Championships were nothing short of epic. They absolutely changed the game with their work as the Midnight Express. As a solo competitor, he became the WCW television champion, and he did that in 1991. 
as he defeated the legendary Arn Anderson to win that match. He would also go on to battle the world heavyweight champion Ric Flair at Clash of the Champions 15 in a two out of three falls match. He also was part of the Dangerous Alliance, a faction formed by Paulie Dangerously, known to the world as Paul Heyman, and it consisted of he, along with Rick Rude, Larry Zbyszko, Arn Anderson, and Steve Austin. I still think they are one of the most underrated factions in all of pro wrestling. The talent there alone is legendary. So our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of beautiful Bobby Eaton, who passed away at age 62. With that said, when we return tomorrow, we'll talk about AEW Dynamite and talk about the ratings. We'll preview SmackDown. Oh, I had some NWA news for you as well. Congratulations to them. Their upcoming pay-per-view, NWA 73, has officially sold out there in St. Louis. That is exciting. That's going to be one of four days of wrestling for the NWA in St. Louis, which will also include Empower, their first ever NWA all-female pay-per-view. We'll also be seeing two days of power tape there as well following the pay-per-view on Sunday. So congratulations to the NWA. It's a big deal that they are selling out these particular spaces. They have really needed a massive comeback and to be able to sell out in a scenario like this is really, really special. You'll be able to check out those pay-per-views and of course, you can check out NWA Power on Fight TV. With that said, we're going to get out of here. I hope you guys have an absolutely amazing day. Remember, if you're in the Atlanta area or you want to travel to Atlanta, SHW 30 goes down tomorrow night. It's the third annual Rumble Jack, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to be amazing. The winner of the Rumble Jack match gets a shot, becomes the number one contender at the SHW Champion. And the SHW Championship and the SHW Tag Team Championship will also be on the line this Friday night as well. So join us at the Action Building. 5 p.m. Eastern is when tickets go on sale. 7 p.m. Eastern is when you can check out our live Facebook pre-show. 8 p.m. Eastern is bell time. I would love to see you in the building. It's going to be crazy. And this is leading up, of course, to our three-year anniversary show, Still Here 3, which will go down in October. So we look forward to seeing you there. And we're cooking up a little something for you as well that you'll be seeing in the month of September. I can't quite tell you what it is yet, but I'm honored to be involved along with some pretty significant names as well. Can't tell you about that yet, but we will talk about it very, very soon. With that said, I hope you guys have an absolutely amazing day. Stay connected, of course, to our socials. We will continue to share news and content as it becomes available. Until next time, family, representing from our good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I need my people.